to be able to say happy Sabbath to all of our family who is, or should I say, who are watching by way of, of this stream, as well as other friends who are watching. I know that the COVID has made some things a little difficult for us, but nevertheless, God is real. I'm going to use this morning for our scriptural lesson, the one in which we're going to have our sermon come from is John chapter 15, and I'm going to read in your hearing verses 13 and 14. It states, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If ye do whatsoever, I command you. We're going to speak for just a short while on the subject, friends. Let's bow here for a word of prayer. Our merciful Father, thank you again, Lord, for all of your blessings. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Father, as I preach, I'm also listening. We, your children, need to be fed by you. In these last and evil days, please speak, Lord. Allow us to see your voice. Allow us to see your face and hear your voice. Hear our prayer, O oh God, in the loving name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Life with all of its relationships can be funny and frustrating at the same time. Movies have been made and books have been written all detailing the elusive perfect relationship. Relationships, everyone has them. There are relationships with family. There are relationships with friends. There are relationships with co-workers, with church members, with business partners, with associates. The list is endless of people that you can possibly have some kind of relationship with. It has been said. That you can't choose family, but you can choose your friends. Some people make good decisions when choosing friends, and some just can't seem to get past involving themselves with people who mean them no good. To call someone a friend doesn't make them your friend. Not all friends are friends. I would dare say that Facebook is a lie. People that aid sin and cover up are not friends. These people, these people usually contribute to the death of something. From a career, to a marriage, to an idea, to a vision, 
to a destiny to salvation. There is a term the military uses when someone is killed by someone on the same side. It's called death by friendly fire. Friendly fire is death by accident. But there is another term that they use in the military that is called fragging. That is death by someone on the same side, but it is intentionally done. Have you, have you noticed that some friends always seem to be in competition with each other? Or you may not be competing with your friend, but your friend always seems to want what you want or better. You buy a used car, they go get a new car. You get a 3,000 square foot house, they go get a 4,000 square foot house. You buy a dress, they buy two dresses. You live 400 pounds, they want to live 800 pounds. And the competition really gets crazy in church. There are those who believe that the kingdom is a race with the fastest time or longest resume. All races, all races are not about time or who finished first or who has the fastest time. Some races are meant to test stamina, determination, courage, perseverance, endurance. In the kingdom race, in the kingdom race, everyone is in the race. You don't have to like it, but you're in it. And since you're in it, you might as well be in it to win it. The problem is, the problem is that some are racing the wrong way against the wrong opponent. My friend's race is not my race. Just as each racer is different, so is the race with the goal being the same, and that's making it home. Siblings, brothers and sisters with the same parents exhibit different behaviors. All their races are different. Their struggles, their hang-ups, their threshold of pain, their likes, their dislikes, they're all different. Same mama, same daddy, different race. Same DNA, Different race. Your greatest opponent is not sitting next to you or works with you or is married to you. Your worst opponent is sitting in the same seat as you because you may be your own worst enemy. It's the enemy in a me. It's the choices I make, the decisions I make, the paths I trod. It's my intentionality. It's the enemy in a me. But I have good news. 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 states, Ye are of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 reads, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Races. 
Racists, races are usually easier to run when you have a friend to run it with for encouragement. Friends, <laughs> friends can encourage both positively and negatively. Everyone is in the race, but not everyone makes a good race partner. The wrong race partner can become a weight and a burden. We are admonished in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Mark chapter 9, verses 43, 45, and 47. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fight that should never be quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that should never be quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter to the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. A friend. A friend that feels that they must compete with you for a seat in the kingdom. I want to say this again. A friend that feels that they must compete with you for a seat in the kingdom is misinformed. God has more than enough room for everybody. All God wants for you to do is to finish the race. He wants you to run to the end. Run on and see what the end's going to be. Romans chapter 5, verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. These two texts, these two texts help to spell out the dynamics of friendship. Romans chapter 5 verse 7 states that hardly will someone die for a righteous man. A man that does the right thing for the right reason. Morally, he's pure. Spiritually, he's upright. He's a good father to his children and a doting husband to his wife. The community praises him. His presence is always inviting, but no one can be found to die for him. Yet, here's a friend that has borrowed money and won't pay it back. Here is a friend that you've had arguments and disagreements with. Here is a friend that has crossed you only for you to take them back. Here is a friend that has talked about you behind your back and scandalized your name. Here is a friend 
that has slept with your spouse and unjustly disciplined your children. Here is your friend. And now, now you're going to die for them because of your love for them. After all that they have done to you, you laid all down because you love them in spite of the pain and the aggravation. Do you know that more people die for an ideal that they know, that they know little or nothing about? More people, more people die for the theory of democracy when in reality there are no democracies. The United States is a republic. Your vote goes toward the popular vote. It's the electoral college that votes in the president of the United States. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but Donald Trump went into the White House. Thousands of men died on the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. White, black, all shades in between died for an ideal. While back home in the United States, color dictated, color dictated that they ate separate and slept separate and lived separate. But on the battlefield, an ideal joined them together in death. Some have confused loyalty with dishonor. It's not honorable to aid sin and cover wickedness. Loyalty is not to be confused with stupidity. Misguided loyalty leads to so many deaths. Deaths of trust, deaths of confidence, deaths of relationships, governments. Governments that are supposed to be friends or allies find themselves spying on each other and causing discord in the effort to gain power and control of each other. But I, I know some of you may be saying now, why don't you get back to the friend that stabs you in the back and accuses you wrongly and sleeps with their best friend's spouse? This analogy, this analogy simply depicts our relationship with Christ. How many times have we turned our back on him? How many times have we blamed him for our mess? How many times have we hoard around on him only for him to take us back? How many of us have become addicted to the liquor of cheap grace? Cheap grace means the justification of sin without the justification of the sinner. Grace, grace is represented as the church's inexhaustible treasury. The essence, the essence of grace, we suppose, is that the account has been paid in advance. And because it has been paid in advance, everything can be had for nothing. 
since the cost was infinite, the possibilities of using and spending it are infinite. Cheap grace. <laughs> Cheap grace, according to the theologian Bonhoeffer. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. It is communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. To be legalist is to cheapen grace. When we cheapen grace, we give away the word and the death of Christ. Grace, grace is costly because it costs God the death of his son. As followers of Christ, we must live in the world while being distinct from it. Costly grace, costly grace does not allow social interaction with the pleasures of the world. The world must be seen in the follower of Christ, a true reflection of how costly grace can transform those who truly seek a relationship. We misuse, we misinterpret, we misapply the creative power of God with the salvific power of God. We want God to decide to create something anew that we messed up. God's creative power has no choice in it. Whatever God says, that is what it accomplishes. But God's salvific power has choice in it. Your choice to receive him and his choice to permit you to tap into his power to receive him into your life and to and to free you from sin. God had a choice. I like what the book early writings has to say. The spirit of prophecy states it this way. Think ye that the father yielded up his son without a struggle? It says no, no. It was even a struggle with the God of heaven, whether to allow guilty man to perish or to allow him to live. Costly grace is God giving himself permission to forgive you when you don't deserve it. The question begs to be asked, when has a sinner ever deserved to be forgiven? Our sins demand that we receive our just desserts, and that's the ultimate penalty. What lies about Christ? Do we perpetrate to the world by living a cheap grace lifestyle? The followers of Christ 
don't get to hide behind a cheap grace policy of don't ask, don't tell. Cheap grace is the enemy of Christ. And cheap grace, the world finds a cheap covering for its sins. No contrition is required. And there is no real desire to be delivered from sin. But costly grace, the German theologian Bonhoeffer says, he says, it is the gospel which must be sought again and again. The gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow and it's costly because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It's costly because it cost a man his life. It is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It's costly because it condemns sin and grace because it justifies the sinner. What has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Don't ask, don't tell, it's cheap. Accept me as I am with no remorse, with no repentance, no desire to follow the word is cheap. God made me as I am, deal with it, it's cheap. What kind of man is Jesus that even after you have prostituted yourself, what would he do for you? Romans chapter 5, verse 10 states, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. God didn't do anything to us that he should be our enemy. God is not our enemy. The world is our enemy. And whosoever is friends with the world is the enemy of God. James chapter 4, verse 4 reads like this. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. <laughs> but there is a conjunction. And the conjunction that I want to use right now is but. But God, even when we were his enemies, he prepared a table in the presence of of his enemies. God knew what we, his enemies, didn't. And that is all chickens come home to roost, and these chickens you can't eat. So God made a way to destroy his enemies 
by making them his friends. John chapter 15, verse 14. Ye are my friends. If ye do whatsoever, I command you. It's an awesome thing for, for Jesus to say that you are his friend. You don't find it many places in scripture where Jesus calls people his friends. True friends, they watch your back. True friends don't let you go around in public with dried mucus in your nostril. True friends don't let you walk around with toilet paper on your shoe or your dress hung up in your pantyhose. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There is a friend, not some friend, but a friend that sticks close. He's so close that he covers me. His life covers mine. I, I walk like him and I talk like him and I look like him. And everywhere I go, I tell people about him. Come see a man that valued me more than I valued myself. He thought so much of me that he died just so I could be called his friend. John chapter 15 verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this. That a man laid down his life for his friends. Amazing grace. Amazing friendship. What is grace? Grace, it, it's the provision God made in the death of his son to extend us mercy. Grace is the provision. Mercy is the extension. It is God giving himself permission to look over our mess and give us what we so desperately need from him, and that's forgiveness. And then he allows us to go and tell somebody how we messed up and how he cleaned us up. Amazing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. The place, Dale County, Alabama. The bus driver, Charles Poland. The gunman, Jimmy Lee Dykes. Jimmy Lee Dykes. Jimmy Lee Dykes hands Charles Poland a note demanding several children aboard the bus. Charles Poland stands between Dykes and the kids and says no. A shot rings out. The bus driver is dead, but his stand allows some of the children to escape 
out the back of the bus. One child is taken instead of several. Ultimately, Jimmy Lee Dykes dies in an underground bunker and five-year-old Ethan is saved. The place, somewhere beyond the blue. The occasion, the attempted hijacking of humanity. The culprit, Satan. His note reads, on demand earth as his. Kingdom and its inhabitants as his servants. In spite of the decision that God knows some will make to willingly follow Satan, God stands in the gap and dies in order for a rescue to take place for any who will want to come back home. He laid it down that we might get back up. In the words of the songwriter, we fall down, but we get back up. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down, but he didn't stay there, and he got back up. To all of our listening audience, our family and friends, on this day, Choose ye this day whom you're going to serve. But God wants more than service from us. He wants to be our friend. But he wants more than that. God wants a relationship with us. So as we as we're in our darkest hours, he's the one that will bring us light. So as we move forward in these days when COVID is, is occupying everyone's thoughts, let us continue to remember that our, our God is the conqueror of all. COVID is nothing to him. And I must say this as I close. As I was not long ago in North Carolina. And when George Floyd's life was taken. And I began to hear people make comparisons with George Floyd and Jesus Christ. I heard some people say. I heard some people say, like Jesus, he gave his life. George Floyd did not give his life. His life was taken from him. He was the victim of a homicide. But Jesus, Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, you don't take my life. I lay it down and I pick it up again. So just as George Floyd awaits his reward in the grave, our Heavenly Father is preparing us for our reward just as well. May we continue to remember and always know that our Father 
is our father. He died for us that we might be able to call him our father and our friend. May God continue to bless us. Our father which art in heaven. Thank you, Lord, so much for your every blessing that you've given to us. Thank you for your love and your mercy. You are our father. Thank you, Father, that you want to be our friend. As we continue on life's journey, Father, may, may we rightly represent you before the world. Bless us, Father, in our walk, in our talk, in our dialogue, so that people will be able to see and know that indeed we belong to you. Keep us, Father, into your soon coming kingdom. And for those who want to rededicate and, re and reconsecrate their life to Christ, even now, stretch forth your hand and receive God's forgiveness for you in your life. And for those who want to go down to the water grave of baptism, you want to receive Bible study in preparation to have a better relationship and a committed relationship with Christ we invite you to please contact make contact with the message that you see on the screen contact us so that we can prepare you so that you too can have a better and more fulfilled relationship with Christ may God continue to bless us keep us father in the name of Jesus we do pray amen Thank you for joining us for our worship experience today at Tabernacle. It is our hope and our prayer that you've received a blessing from today's service. If you're watching us on Facebook, remember to follow and like our page. And if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe so you can join us for future worship experiences. Because when you miss a week, you miss a lot at Tabernacle.